The following views and opinions expressed on Joy Has Questions podcast are not to be confused and or affiliated with any other corporations, companies, businesses, LLCs, and any other acronym that you can possibly think of. Basically, these are my own opinions on my own platform. And now everybody, let's get on with the show. Hey, good people. It's your girl Joy Has Questions, dropping some new fire for you all to listen to for the week. Starting with, you guessed it, you better know. This week's You Better Know is probably going to be the most controversial, right? But the reason why I feel it is so imperative to know him is because, especially during that time frame, like, let's just get right to it. This week's You Better Know is Bumpy Johnson. Now, Bumpy Johnson was born Ellsworth Raymond Johnson. He was an American mob boss and bookmaker in New York in Harlem. Like, if anyone knows, Bump J was the only distributor that Frank Costello, that the Genovese crime family dealt with. Now, the reason why I've been doing just so much more research on him is because I was invited last week. Thank you, Fat Girl of Fashion again. But I was invited last week to see the special premiere of... Godfather of Harlem by Forrest Whitaker, which is about the Bump J story or Bumpy Johnson story. And what I found was so beautiful and so magical was to see how this man um, was interwoven into the other black excellence experience. He was living and, and dealing with Adam Clayton Powell Jr., who we all know was one of the most, if not the most influential African-American senator that has ever been in Congress. He also was dealing directly with Detroit Red, later known as the iconic Malcolm X. And what I think is just so amazing, or at least something that deserves to be, you know, a deeper look taking at, is here's this man that on one end of things, he was a criminal, he did several hard years on the rock aka Alcatraz let's keep it real he pushed dope into his community it exploded in Harlem under his reign when he died unofficially he was worth 60 to 100 mil like a true blue kingpin he murdered people he is not like necessarily you know sainted um within the black community but also at the same time There's just something I think so real and something that just, you know, deserves conversation in terms of the the spaces that a lot of black men are placed in. Right. Because if you flip, you know, what it was that he was pushing, what would make him different than, you know, any other American businessman. In ter- I mean, if you get to $100 million in revenue, you're clearly doing something right. You clearly know, you know, a purchase funnel. Um, so even looking at just his, his upbringing, he was born in 1905, October 31st to be, to be specific, in Charleston, South Carolina. When he was 10, his older brother, Willie, was accused of killing a white man. Good God. Um, of killing a white man. So afraid of a possible lynch mob, his parents mortgaged the home and sent money for Willie to live up north with relatives. So as he grew older, Johnson's parents worried about his short temper and his insolence toward whites. And so in 1919, he was sent to live with his older sister Mabel in Harlem. So even looking at his Chicago connection, like by the summer of 1952, his activities were being reported by John H. Johnson's uh, publishing company, the a godfather in himself in terms of media, but was being reported in jet. 
he got sent to Alcatraz for 15 years. My God. So he was arrested more than 40 times. He had two prison terms for narcotic-related charges. But then in 1965, he staged a sit-down, refusing to leave as a protest against their continued surveillance. He was charged with refusal to leave a police station but was acquitted by the judge. Now, could that have been loaded in, in extra reasons behind why he did that? Sure. But one thing I will always say People are not 100% good. They are not 100% bad. And I think it's something that especially I love how it was highlighted in the show on Bumpy Johnson was the fact of how he was always in a conflict between, you know, where he thought he was forced to go in life, what it was that he wished he could have become versus what he saw himself become. And also, I really loved the just the true blue visceral nature of the pressure that a man under, you know, that sort of, of infamy or fame or power is under. Because, yes, he's selling dope the, to the community, but yet everyone is asking something of him. Now, also, let's be real. This is a dramatization. But this is, I think, something that is is very, is woven through the lines of any infamous man. You know, any drug, the the neighborhood, the community, oh, well, you know, the roof's falling, or, oh, we can't find Sophia's son, or, oh, you know, there's no money in the house. If you can just help us with, you know, getting through so we don't get evicted. Everybody needs something. Everyone wants the milk, but don't want to know what's happening to the cow. And so I think that watching this, especially watching um, this 10-part miniseries, I think it will be excellent just to see how those layers are peeled back. But also at the same time, like when I look at people like Bumpy Johnson, when I look at people like Frank Lucas, when I look at people like Rick Ross, you, you know, all these other iconic or infamous, you know, characters within our community, we are quick to vilify them, but also not necessarily quick to look at, you know, the situations that made them. And so I think it's amazing to see this portrayal. And for anything else, if we take out the product or the service um, that was being provided, which we all know was detrimental to our community, I think it really is something to at least look and unravel a little bit more. Um, Definitely just wanted to call him out. It's not even a you better know necessarily in terms of, whoa, let's everyone start selling crack. You know, let's everyone start doing something illegal. It's really just something to make us sit back and think a little bit more sometimes at the positions that some of our community members are put into because they don't feel there's another way out. Um, And if nothing else, like he still is an iconic American historical figure. Hey everybody, it's your girl Joy Has Questions, and here we are once again with Gabby, aka No Way She Codes, hey for hey what? We here. Geeked up. Yeah, so hit it, girl. What do we have this week to talk about? So I actually want to talk about a event that I found that actually happened in the past, but will definitely have a big impact in the future. So um, if most of you don't know, there is a... Um, a big brand out there named Blavity, um, and they also have a brand under them called Afrotech, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It is black people in tech. They have a huge, they have two conferences every year. Um, One is in California, one is in Detroit, and it's just bringing startups, it's networking people, giving people skill sets, things like that. Like, they are really killing it, and they're getting bigger and bigger every year. I know. Honestly, like, I, their conference in California is the bigger one, and it happens every November, and I bought my ticket in January, so you know I'm ready to go. 
out. Um, so they actually did something this past summer that I actually just discovered in which they partnered with Bank of America um, to have a networking event called The Power of Connections. And this is pr pretty much used to build off of Bank of America's platform um, to get more people of color into uh, the business. So they had a panel of all their senior, of a lot of senior leaders that were uh, of color, um, and which speaking with people on what it's like to be at the company, what they can do to get into the right places, and then of course work to recruit these people into the company. Um, I think that's big because that is kind of one of our biggest problems with a lot of companies today is they do a lot of dumb shit. A lot of dumb shit. Now, Big America, not specifically, has done anything. Um, but to take the steps to make sure they're getting the right people in the right rooms, you know, in the future, you know, this might prevent them from doing anything dumb, from being in the news, from us blowing them up on Twitter and Instagram, and especially the Shade Room. So it's kind of like, I I'm kind of happy with that. Um, and apparently this is not the first event that Blavity and Afrotech have um, partnered with Bank of America, especially because Bank of America has been doing a lot uh, for STEM education within minority communities um, and going through other avenues to also recruit um, people of color into their company as well. So. <sighs> Triggering. No, um, I think that is actually truly reflective of one or two things like let's be real when you think of bank of america i think of old white men i think of suit jackets <laughs> I, I really do so i'm actually more so like who the hell sold that in and can we get a quick opt-in piece and add it like because what you have accomplished sis or bra or team whatever is fucking phenomenal and then on the other side maybe if it was a blavity thing like how did y'all convince them i think that what i have found and what I find is I am tired of trying to convince other people what I know is fucking common sense and what I know mm -hmm. is going to be a hit. Like, I really am in a space where it's just like, okay, I'm going to say it to you maybe twice. If you are continuing, well, I don't know. Are we sure? Or is this within the... I'm not going to say it again. And so I think it's amazing to see a company like Bank of America, you know, even if they don't get it, not be a hindrance. I think that's the one thing people forget. I don't care if a, a company is full of maybe people in the HR department or whatever that don't understand it. Are you going to still be in my way? Yeah. Because that's the thing that's going to get frustrating. If you don't get it, but you still are willing to take the risk to write the check or to push the program or to keep the program alive, then that to me is where you are putting up and shutting up as a company. Mm -hmm. If you are not doing that, sit the fuck down somewhere and continue to come up with new excuses as to why there's no diversity, why you still got accountable black staff, why you have horrible retention rates because you don't know how to keep people. And so I'm wondering, like, with the retention rates, and it's like, yeah, you have a great company. I mean, you have a great program to get them. You're keeping that program up and alive to get them into the company. But are you giving them the right support? Right. You know, like, are you, like you're saying, like, are you giving them the right support so you are can... Are you listening? So you can, you know, have retention because at the end of the day, retention is what's important. Like, it doesn't... I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it does, like, to give people the opportunity that is still very important. But in the long run, who are you really helping if you can't keep anybody? It's, to me, the it's literally the diversity and inclusion. Inclusion is totally tied into retention mm -hmm. because if you don't include people, everyone's going to sit up here one day and be like... 
Didn't so-and-so just start? Like, damn, why did she leave? And all of a sudden, and then it's like, now you want these detailed-ass exit interviews because you couldn't figure out what to do to make someone feel included. Mm -hmm. I think that's super dope, especially seeing how Blavity, the verbiage that they use, how they, like, they truly are a millennial-based publication, not even publication, platform. Yeah. And so to then see, like, a couple of years ago, if a company like a Bank of America or a Chase or a Oracle or somebody would have seen that, they'd be like, hell no, we're not partnering with them. Especially because it's like, they're just, I don't say they're old. Like the, what the perception you kind of gave is like they're old, white, and stuffy. Like mm-hmm. they're just stuck in their ways. And you're right, like a lot of older companies, depending on the CEOs that they have, depending on the direction they're going in, like they're not making these efforts that are needed. Like, I, <laughs> why should they have to? Like, think about it. Like, I just read a list of some of the companies that KFC donating to Trump, Walton, as yeah, usual. Chick-fil-A was Chick-fil- on it, Lord. And I know Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A been kind of, you know, walking the line for a long time. I don't even, okay, damn. and now we're slightly going. But I will say this about the whole Chick-fil-A situation. I will never be upset at a brand that doesn't try and bamboozle me into thinking there's something they're not to get my That's money. That's very true. They're very open. Very they're, very, they're very open. I knew every time I bought my little slutty tube tops from Forever 21 that what John 316 was on the underside of the bag. Mm-hmm. So no matter what they necessarily had in the store, I knew that tops. they were still <laughs> technically a Christian, a Christian company. based company. Did you know that if you steal from them, they won't like sue you? I don't know if that's like, comforting. No, <laughs> like, no, I'm not. I'm just saying, like, it's, it's a thing. <laughs> like, so like you told me, like, so great. being a Christian company, like, you know, they're big on forgiveness. So, like, their employees, if they catch you stealing, they can't, like, send you to security or call the police. They, like, they catch you, they just got to take the clothes in, but, like, you have to leave. Like, But they can't, you know, most companies would... You know. Are you sure? I'm very sure. I would hate to see what their loss prevention overhead is every year because that's a lot of fucking money. Yeah, but they also make a lot of cheap clothes. I'm buying it, but it's cheap. I'm not going to lie. Like, I Think I about have... how many Forever 21, Forever 21 clothes you've bought and ask me how long it lasts. Go ahead. Just guess. Two washes max. Oh. Boop, there it <laughs> is. <laughs> their turnover. But no, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, so when we're even just talking about, like, companies that reveal who they are from Jump Street. Yeah. I know what I'm going to get with the Chick-fil-A. They aren't going to be really friendly to our LGBTQ plus brethren. They aren't going to be open on Sunday, but they're going to have the best biscuit, honey, chicken bites. They're about to have some good chicken. And I remember when they wore the um, Blue Lives Matter shirts and I was like, dang, I can't buy this chicken. They really did. I forgot. They really did did that. But you're kind of right, though. Like, they are never, they've never hidden who they truly are. So I can respect that. So if somebody wanted to throw a fit over Chick-fil-A, I'd be like, okay, you need to sit down. Yeah. Other companies are like kind of low key under the radar with it. I kind of get what you're saying. Also, their customer service is things of legend. Like, I've never been treated. Listen. As well by listen white Trump supporters. Like, I if, know who are they. Like, that's the thing. That. If like they weren't so out there about what they support, you would be so surprised. You're, what? But they're so nice to everybody. Right. Like you're like, is this? They refill my lemonade for free and walk to my table racism? and then, uh, I don't <laughs> understand. I don't understand. Are we sure that we can't do? It, they're not at the cookout at all. Like, at not all? At, can we at least, can they, can, no? Okay. I like, guess. fine, I'm here, you ancestors. <laughs> but if there was ever a, a white segment that I'd be like, 
can they come please? So we, like, can, we can work this out. Let's how about we discuss differences? What if we do like a panel discussion? Can yeah, we have like yeah, an open yeah, panel? Yeah. But no. So we already know Bank of America probably on that list too. But at least the fact that they are making strides in that aspect, I think is super dope. Yeah. I am going to ask this really quickly um, as we're talking about businesses you know, letting us know who they are from Jump Street. Do you, and this is totally not technically a geeked up thing, but I still want your opinion. How do you feel about uh, Beyonce's husband and the NFL deal? Boom, boom, boom. So I personally think Jay-Z is genuine in his intentions. And I feel like a lot of people misconstrued what he said. Because, of course, when people put stuff on the internet, they only put that one little part. And Jay-Z said... We need to go past the kneeling. And then he said, and everybody just act like he didn't just say this. And then he said, the kneeling is important. The kneeling is what got us here. We needed the kneeling. But we need to do action beyond the kneeling. And people are acting like that part didn't, like he didn't say that. Like he just said the kneeling isn't important. And I just feel like at the end of the day, if you do your research on Beyonce and Jay-Z as a couple, they do a lot for the black community. Like, But it's not publicized. Like, They're not one of the flashy people like, oh, we gave this here, we did this here. That's not them. But they donate a lot of money every year, do a lot of works every year towards the black community in many countries. So I don't think... I know it's a little shady with the whole Jermaine Dupri thing because it's like... Mm-hmm. Not only that, Colin Kaepernick's lawyer then dropped an ether diss track. I'm like, Lord Jesus. Okay. Jesus. So, But I, I personally think that Jay-Z is in it for the right reason. Like, yes, this is a money move, but I think he's for the people. But I, I really hope he doesn't prove me wrong. I believe that Sean Carter is... I think Sean King said it best based on his politics. That made sense to him. And that's the thing. Like, He is a businessman. Yeah. And I think he found a way to mix activism with a business move because now there's you know little words are saying like that he's about to be minority owner of the philadelphia steel phillies or oh i believe that part. and so i'm just like so instantly you're already like benefiting and how does this now help now i will say this also i was slightly confused from brother reed saying you know how it was despicable i'm like but sir you're you're literally in the locker room in the NFL playing. I, so explain that to me. Like, I just, it doesn't sit well with me because I think it's a matter of like, you know, bartering activism or, yeah. you know, activism based, you know, decisions for the trade off of like the position. And I'm going to say all the clout, all the connections, everything that he has. He could have done that without the partnership. It's not like he needed the so you, you partnership. Don't, you don't think it's really yeah. like, you know, getting the right people in the right places? Because at the end of the day, they don't have... I don't, I don't know this personally, but it doesn't seem like the NFL has anybody black in the, big, the higher ranks. Because, yes, yes, I do agree. Like, it's a little unsettling. Like, yes, he's going to benefit. But I kind of like what Sean King said, like, He's a businessman. Like, Jay-Z's not about to sign nothing that's, like... Especially not for the NFL. Even that, I think, was Sean... Like, let's put it this way. If this was anyone else, I think people would have really lit into them. But there is also this fear of, well, everyone loves Jay and Beyonce. So, it's like... It is a fear of being critical of them. Yeah, I know. To a certain extent. I still think, like... If I ain't like it, I ain't like it. No, I mean, I I honestly don't care for it. I I just feel like based off of 
based off of past actions, I'm not quick to say he's doing it for the wrong reasons. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, he might mess around and mess around, but I just feel like it'd be different if he has never done anything for the black community ever. Right. And, and then now he's did like this and was on. like, oh, no, but I'm doing this for the black community. I'd nah, be like, look nigga. here, Don King Jr. Yeah, what the relax. fuck is really going but on? But based off your track record, I, I can see that this might be positive for us. Right. So that's my thoughts on it. All right, well, we totally just stepped away from Bank of yeah. America and Gravity <laughs> and Afrotech. But, I mean, it's all good. Sometimes it happens. But thank you so much, Boo, for coming on again, giving us something amazing within the STEM community to talk about. Of course, of course. All righty, y'all. And then we will see you next week for another Geeked Up segment. I guess you will. Bye. Bye. everybody it's your girl joy has questions and i am super excited i you know i'm branching out really expanding um in terms of the quality of the interviews and i am super super excited to have this young man on the show today um i came across his brand not only through instagram but just talking to one of my really good friends um in the la area and he was like yo You've got to get my boy Trail onto the show, um, what he's doing, um, curating safe spaces for um, not only just millennials of color, but just African-Americans, period. So thank you so much for being on the show. I'm super excited to have you. Of course. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Definitely. So I, you know, I love to shoot for the hip. We're just going to get right into it. So, you know, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Like, you know, where do you originally hail? Um, How did you get into event curation? I just, I really am interested in just the basics and the the background for you. Yeah, sure. Um, I am originally from uh, a very small town in South Carolina called Cassett, South Carolina. It's like, you know, not many people have heard of it before. We've got, like, one stoplight, uh, population, like, 10. Uh, I'm joking, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, <laughs> a very, very small town. And um, really, as far as, like, I, I, it's, it's so funny when you say how did you get into event curation, because even now, I don't, I mean, I guess I am, but I, I never really um, considered that to be uh, my, what I do. Uh, really, like, um, I, Specifically around, you know, Black Excellence Brunch, I, I grew up in South Carolina, like I said, in the South, and where Sunday dinner was a huge uh, concept. And um, within the idea of Sunday dinner, there, it was just this safe, warm, loving, uh, nurturing, um, affirming space. Um, and not having lived in South Carolina in about 13 years, I just started to miss, really miss that. And um, I just would create it myself with my friends just here and there um in my home and then it kind of just grew into what it is now um but honestly like creating curating events just comes from my creativity i love uh reimagining how things look how things are um and just uh it, it allows me to be creative so it's my outlet I think that's amazing. I think also um, the one thing that you just said that really stood out to me um, where you were saying you were missing home, you know, and it it just comes off and sometimes we think, uh, 
you know, that big idea has to come from something that's like just completely outside or it has to be revolutionary. And a lot of times it can be just like something that is so in tune with how, or, you know, how we grew up or things that we were naturally around, that Southern hospitality, that getting together, getting together, I should say, communing as a family. And then from Mm -hmm. there watching it grow. I mean, even when I think about, you know, um, LA or Hollywood, if you will, you know, everyone, you know, has events that they're doing or events, but it's just something as simple as if it's not a space that you saw, you know, um, or I should say, if it wasn't a void that you saw being filled, then you just took it upon yourself to do it. So I think that's a really good um, emphasis in terms of, you know, being a self-starter, having that motivation to, you know, be the change that you want to see. And from there, you have a brand now that's building and blossoming um, and taking off. Yeah, absolutely. It, it most uh, 100% came from just uh, being the change that I wanted to see and, um, you know, wanting to for, for other people to feel that love and that warmth and specifically around the black community. Um, I think I, you know, I started doing it kind of like just like being homesick and, and wanting to uh, recreate that like environment uh, and started doing it just with my friends and it grew from like five or six people on Sunday to, mm-hmm. you know, I remember really, really when it kind of like, when I was like, oh, this is like something different when I was getting ready to move to Los Angeles about uh, three years ago um, now. And I wanted to do a going away thing, but I wanted it to be different. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do a Black Excellence Brunch. And I yes. did it on the rooftop of this um of this restaurant, it had like a rooftop, and I told all my friends, I was very selective with the guest list, I was like, I want good energy, I want good vibes, I want to create that like warm space, I want, you know, strangers to feel like they've known each other forever, and I was like, everybody's gonna wear all white, and everybody that knows me, I love like an aesthetic, so I was, <laughs> you know, just telling everybody, you have to wear all white, and you have to do this, and I'm when we got there, I just remember every head turning in the restaurant. Like, as we were going to our table and people would be like, who are they? I could hear them saying, like, who are they? What is this? Like, and people would come up to us to our table and be like, y'all look so beautiful. What's going on? Like, what is this? And I was like, wow, like, that is, it was such a beautiful feeling to have a group of black people walk into a space and people just be in awe and and admiration of them. Um, and so I just loved that, and I moved to L.A., and then I was like, well, I'm going to do another one. And I did another one as a welcome to L.A. because I, you know, had a network here, and so I did another one. Um, and it was just different from, like, outside people, like, really coming in. It was like all the people there were just enthralled with each other. They were like, you know, people were just like, wow, like, Trump, this is such an awesome group of people. Like, I mean, nobody really knew each other. Maybe two of knew who um, one another was, but most of the people, they, they started off as strangers, and, and, you know, even to this day, they're really good friends, and I was just, like, you know, realizing the impact, and so I didn't do one for a while, and I, you know, um, um, I, you know, worked at the intersection of, of brands, charities, and celebrities, and mm-hmm. one, of the, uh, one of my clients is Waco Theater Center, where I worked very closely with Ms. Tano's Lawson, who is more than you know, someone that I work with, but also just a dear friend and a mom away from mom is what I, I call her. And I was just kind of venting to her um, about my frustration um, about like things that were happening across the country, you know, young black boys being gunned down and, and just like the negative narrative that black people were receiving. And I was just, you know, venting 
And I would tell her about, you know, how the space, the black expert, how it made me feel and how it made other people feel. She was like, Trail. And I was like, I gotta do something. And she was just like, Trail, that's what you do. And she got up immediately from her couch. And from the, we were sitting on the couch and she got up and she was like, told me. And I was like, okay, I'm following her through her house. And she's like, give me that ladder. And I'm like, all right. And I give her the ladder. And she like, hold it. Cause you know, like a mom would be like, you know, get this ladder, but hold it, make sure I don't Exactly. She's like, well, you better not drop this. <laughs> right. And she's like, she gets these dishes down and she puts them on. She's going to use, she was like, you're going to use these dishes. And I find out that they're the dishes from her wedding. Wow. So she gave me the dishes from her wedding to do my first one. And she gets it. She gets up these papers. She's like, give me the pen. And she started drawing this diagram. And she's like, this is the, the layout of the, this is where your buffet is going to go. This is where the people are going to sit. And I'm just like, wow. Like, if she is, if she is being this intentional about something she found out about 10 minutes ago, How like, much I have so? to start yes. being very intentional about it. And so the first Black Express brunch was birthed. And um, and I haven't looked back. So we're like ten brunches in, and it's on the coming up on the year anniversary. So it's just incredible. I think number one, you know, just shout out to having a, a sense of um, good energy and having synergy. Um, having you know, um, it's so important to have elders in our community that are literally about reaching up and giving back and supporting yeah. us, and not just you know saying well this is my title, this is my place in the Hollywood circle, you need to figure it out yourself, you know, and really investing in us who just want to make an Mm -hmm. impact and just want to make a change. So number one, that's beyond phenomenal. Number two, to take something as intimate as wedding dishes, like, I don't, you know, I know, like, we just met, but, like, I'm truly an emotional hoarder. Like, if it's a napkin from, like, a Chicago White Sox gang that's like, oh, I'm going to save this and scrapbook it. So I can't even imagine, like, something where it's like, these are the dishes that my loved ones ate off of for, like, one of the happiest days of my life. To bequeath that to you, I think that's an amazing blessing. I think it also represents... um a seriousness and a responsibility, you know, that you have to keep this going. 10 turns to 11, yeah. 11 turns to 12, 12 turns to 120 to not only have this in LA, but to hell, I want to see this in Chicago. I want this to be replicated in Atlanta in Houston all yeah. over. Um, because anytime that we're still countable, it's not enough. You know, anytime that yeah. it's, it's still something where it's like, well, another shooting just happened or another black person just got victimized or um, even the situation that just happened in Galveston where they literally marched a black man, um, a suspect with a a rope around his neck. And this was the police department, you know? So to create safe spaces, isn't something at all um, to, to be taken lightly, especially when you think about it, like black people and food, like, slavery we were given nothing and look we we made diamonds out of dust and and to continue on honestly like that tradition of our community that's amazing you know so not only did you Mm -hmm. have like a fun idea but you have something that represents like even more and really is empowering blackness on a different level um so I just wanted to ask you you know keeping it flowing, keeping it moving. Um, It is quite clear that as a black man, you are very passionate about the community, about empowering us. But um, why personally do you feel, Trail, like as a creative, that you need to embrace this creativity um, as well as like the vulnerability that's attached to it? You know, that that narrative that black man can't have emotions or can't, you know, be moved by anything. Why is it important for you to combat that stereotype? For me, it's just, it's, uh, you know, um, 
it's just being, you know, being the change, right? Mm-hmm. Being that person that's like willing to be vulnerable, being that person that, you know, and just showing other people like what that looks like. Because, you know, I find that a lot of people aren't able to get in touch with themselves because they've never seen it. You know, they don't know what that looks like, you know, um, and they've never been in a space where they feel safe to, to be that. You know, I think that part of it is really just changing the, the narrative. Um, for a lot of people and, 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 and the perception for a lot of people. And so, you know, with everything that I do, like even, you know, I do the Black Excellence Brunch, but I also, you know, do other different events. I've been doing events for a, a long time and, um, um, and now just really focused on spreading, um, Black excellence and positive, uh, and, and changing the narrative, uh, from negative to positive as it, as it pertains to Black people. And, um, you know, so, in every single thing that I do, I build in a comfort for people, a space where people feel safe, bringing their authentic self with them. Because you have to curate that environment. And sometimes it has to do with, it's a lot of elements. Sometimes it has to do with music. It has a lot to do with, with the people that are in the room and making sure that they have an understanding of, of what this is, of what we're trying to do, uh, an appreciation for the culture, uh, appreciation for one another, healthy, like, respect. So it's just, like, just curating this space that just breeds that, that breeds this safety and warmth and love and, and, and joy and positivity. And as a result, I find that that, you know, that's my personal touch on changing that. And I've also just had to do the inner work, you know, like I, part, I tell yes. people all the time, like I grew up in, you know, not, you know, I can, I can probably count on my hand the amount of times like, that I heard the, you know, the phrase, I love you, like mm-hmm. within my household. And I, it wasn't because my parents didn't love me because they absolutely did. You know, I, mean, I can remember just like watching my mom sacrifice so much, but I think that it was just taboo because nobody had seen that. Right. You know, and I think that for me, it's just doing that inner work of like, you know what, child, it is okay to express how you feel. It is okay to say that you 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 love someone. It is okay to you know bring your authentic self to the table, whatever that looks like, because people who care about you will not be bothered by that. And I, yeah. you know, and it's just you know, un a lot of undoing, a lot of like removing of labels and stuff like that off myself that I had allowed other people to put on me and some that I, you know, put on myself. Definitely. I think um, even pulling from that, it's just a matter of, I think even why spreading that conversation or making it a little bit wider, just the fact of a lot of times within our community, you know, during to, because of how we're raised or um, necessarily like just systematic trauma that we've endured it's our actions. You know, I love you because there's Mm -hmm. food on this table. I love you because there's a roof over your head. You know, I'm showing you that I love you. And sometimes it is the matter of like, I just want to hear the words, you know? Um, I think it's, it's important though, even if it's a matter of whatever those feelings were, even if someone's intentions wasn't to hurt you, or even if they didn't necessarily love you in the way that you thought um, that you should be loved. What I think is also so important that you hit on is the fact you still need to do the work yourself, you know? Yeah. Whatever your environment was as a child, as an innocent child, you can't help wherever you grow up. And and just same with your parents and their parents and those before them. But your responsibility to yourself as an adult, 
this whatever that love language is for you, whatever brings you that peace of mind, you have to figure right. that out, you know? Yep. And so I yeah. think that's something that w- is really important to say. Like, you can truly either, you know, learn from your past, learn from those experiences, or you can keep repeating that cycle. Um, and yeah. it, it definitely takes a lot is. of mental it fortitude. Is. Yeah, it is definitely, it can be difficult too, you know? I was having a conversation just yesterday just about things that, you know, as as black people particularly, we are we inherit some trauma, mm-hmm. right? Things that we never even that we never experienced ourselves that are just even on a cellular level, when you think about our ancestors and how they got here, you know, there are things that, that you and I and some people have to heal ourselves from that we didn't even experience. Right. And when you think about like the magnitude of that, you you, you take that responsibility of like, you know, okay, like I've got to do this in internal work. I can't lean on the fact that, well, this happened to me as a child, so this is why I'm like this, and let that be that. You know what I mean? Like, I have to say, okay, well, this is this was my experience, this is my perception. Like, how do I want to be? What do I, and, that, and that's why I was, when I was saying about, like, the removing of the labels, like, I mean, and this is all like a new manifestation and realization for me you know within and i say new within the last five years because mm-hmm. i just got to i just got into a place where i'm like okay like it is okay for me to be this or it is okay for me to be not that you know right. and um and i think yeah it's important to do that work and sometimes we need help to do that work right and i think that you know another thing that's taboo in the in the black community is is therapy Ooh, and therapy yes. comes in a lot of different ways. You know, it, it's like, um, <laughs> I remember, like, the therapy was the barbershop. Like, that was, was a form just, like, of it, yes. <laughs> and, you know, for, for women, it's like, in the hair salon. Nails I think, and hair I think that, is where you work right. it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's got to go deeper than that, you know? And I think that it, therapy can be a lot of just the friends you choose. It's the relationships you get in. It's the books you read. It's the, you know, all those things play a role and you have to be intentional. For me, it was my social media um, yeah. uh, feed. I had to go and like remove a lot of things and add a lot of things so that my feed was curated to a point where I was seeing things that were, that were bringing me to a positive place um, mentally. And so, you know, I, and it also looks like therapy, you know, going and sitting with somebody. So it, it, there are a lot of uh, different ways, but I think that, you know, we, we just have to be intentional about doing that work. Yeah, true. And let me tell you, it's the best $150 I ever had healthcare spend, um, just, you know, oh, to, actually, yeah. to actually have that. And I think also it's just really getting to a, a place of demystifying you know, what, what we think therapy is. Um, because now I know like me and my girlfriends, we're always like, Oh, what did you talk about with your therapist? You know, it's like an open dialogue, you know, kind of like giving each other recaps of, of what our conversation, you know, not getting into too much detail, but just giving like recaps of what the conversations have been. And I think that's Mm -hmm. something that, um, like you said, it ties back into your friend circle. Um, you know, like this, it's as cliche as we want to sound, but you are what you eat and you're the company that you keep. Um, and so if you're really trying to vibrate higher and to, um, as I like to say, level up in that aspect you have to be cognizant of that um and that's even something that i know um with 
your Black Excellence brunches taking off with, you know, you building your own name for yourself, um, especially living in a community, you know, some people say Hollywood, some people say Hollyweird, some, you know, whatever the, the perception of Hollywood would be. How do you differentiate between those who like, look, I want to get to know Terrell Thomas. I think he's a dope individual versus those that's like, oh, he did what at Essence Brunch or oh, he kicking it with who? Let me not like try and get cool with him. How do you, you know, use that spirit of discernment to to separate those who are trying to be around you for, you know, maybe clout purposes? Yeah. So, you know, what's great about about the brunches, you know, I curate the guest list and I'm very specific and particular about it. Um and my sister was just talking to me the other day and she was like, Trail, like you can't and I was she was she was asking about it. I was she was like, Trail, you can't you're not gonna be able to do that forever. You're not gonna be able to handpick people forever. I mean, um she's always the the person who like kinda keeps me plays that like devil's advocate a lot. But as far as like one thing that I, I think is the way the brush has grown is through just like word of mouth and people tell like starting with an, a black and excellent group and then having them spread to the, spread it to their, their um, inner circle. And, and I find that that has been the way to keep it, you know, very pure to keep the energy high and great to just make sure that they're, they're the right people in the room. And, you know, I think that, also, which is something that I don't have as much time for that I used to, is I used to, believe it or not, Joy, I used to meet with every single person that would be in the room. Wow. Like, I mean, I would have coffee with them or breakfast. Like, the first three, I li- if I didn't know them, like, I would be like, okay, connect me to the person. I'd be like, okay, when can we get together? And I remember I was having breakfasts or, or coffees as early as 7 a.m. So I would have time to just meet with people and sit with them um, because it's important to me. You know, I, the, the biggest compliment that people give me when they leave is like, trust, you know, that felt good. Mm-hmm. And that's indescribable. You know what I mean? Like, I make sure the food is good. I make sure the music is right. I'm all about the aesthetic. But, like, when people say that felt good, it means so much to me. So it's important for me to protect that. And... I, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase of like, you know, but people will say like, like, you know, vibrate so high and have your energy be so high that people that mean you harm or don't mean you well don't even feel comfortable getting close to you. And I think that that's the space that the brunch is in. Like people that know that they aren't there for the right reasons feel a little bit uncomfortable trying to come. Right, and I and I have gatekeepers too. There are people that that you know they they know their friend or they know somebody that reaches out to them because you you don't know when they're happening, you don't know where they're going to be, you don't. It's just like they they happen and then you see the aftermath of it. So people have to ask somebody that was there, like, oh hey, what's that? How did you get there? Or they have to reach out to me. So it's like a it's it's a gatekeeper um, thing, and it's not meant to to be exclusive in a negative way it's just meant to protect the space no and I, I completely get that you know even on my end like doing um the first go round of you know an event that I embarked on that was literally after securing the venue that was the whole thing that like revolved in my mind was like who's coming making sure that it's an environment where everyone felt comfortable where we could network yeah. where we could fellowship um where it wouldn't be a situation, you know? And so I, I completely understand just like 
that's your baby and you need to protect that, especially when you find something like you find whatever that formula is that's working. Um, even if it does mean that maybe you can't go out to, you know, um, grab coffee or donuts or whatever with every single person. But once you figure out like the mechanics of, okay, this is what makes my events different. This is what makes this space so amazing when I'm hosting it or when I'm throwing it. You protect that with everything that you have, you know, because yeah. the second that anyone in attendance feels that it's not that, you change the magic, you know, of what makes Black Excellent Brunch so bomb or what makes everyone want to come to it. Um, so even, I know you said earlier that you, you know, just, I believe, did your 11th brunch. Um, but even looking into, like, maybe when you were getting um, kind of the wheels turning or getting started, was there a time where, like, you kind of hit a wall or there was, like, a little bit of obstacles in your way? Like, how did you overcome that adversity? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, the first obstacle for the first thing was, like, who's going to pay for this? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Dollars. <laughs> I don't charge people. It's not, a ticket. it's not a ticket that you can buy. It's not a you know, um, something that you can purchase your way into. It is literally, you know, invite. And I make sure that like, uh, you know, like, like people feel like they're going to grandma's house for Sunday dinner, but it's with all of their cool friends, their cool cousins and friends Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know? And so I was just like, man, like this can cost money. And so when you have, like I had, you know, people so into it, and um and I, you know, just put up it was an act of faith. I was like, Okay, here's like this money that I saved and let's see, you know, and I put I invested in myself, which is also very important. It's important to invest in yourself because the return on your self investment is so great and I can't even explain that to people enough. It's important to invest in yourself and, you know, moving you know, picking up and taking the risk is important to invest in yourself, you know, as far as self-care is concerned. And, uh, you know, the friends and stuff you choose is important to invest in yourself financially. You know, you have to say, you know what, I'm worth this money. Like if these, if those Jordans are worth that or that car is worth that, you're worth it too. Um, so I think for me, that was a big obstacle at first. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Then I think, you know, I have a, a good base of, of friends that I have, but it was just like, how do you keep this going? Because I never invite the same person. Okay. Like, there are maybe, like, seven people that come that, you know, have been with me from the beginning, and I invite uh, that, you know, have been basically to every single one. But, like, it's basically 80 people at this point, and every time it's new. It's a, it's a new cohort of people. And so at first I was like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> and, um, and just, it's, it's really a demand for it. So now like, I don't, like I, every single one I run into the, the thing of like, Hey, can you add such and such? And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm at capacity. And it's true. It's not me being like, you know, a jerk. It's just like, I don't, I literally don't have any more space. Um, so that, and then, you know, just a big thing for me this year was going to Essence Festival and getting outside of L.A. and, like, having the first kind of flag that was put up, up at, out of L.A. be, you know, in New, New Orleans for Essence Festival. Yeah. I mean, you've probably been to Essence Festival before, and that's the whole beast to navigate within itself. And so, you know, it was just making sure that things were in line. And, you know, I had a lot of, that food. I didn't say anything about it, but I mean, I 
I was biting my nails. I was, everything that you do when you're like so nervous about something mm-hmm. happened. And, um, and you know, when you got people that are, are trusting you and you're leading people, it's like, you know, you have to, to show up as a leader, um, every single time and, um, and roll with the punches. And, um, and, you know, there were a lot of things that everything that probably could have tried to like throw a wrench in the plans for SS did. And um, and it came out, it turned out beautiful. So, And that's the thing, the key word or the emphasis is tried, you know, because at the end of the day, um, you still completed it. It still looks phenomenal. I, I The reach and engagement I, that I saw from, you know, just the recap and how, you know, everyone supported you and was showing love. Hell, that's how I, I even found you as well. Um, it definitely, you know, is something that is speaking to not only your artistry, but the fact that you can tell, like, this isn't a fluke for you. Like, you really want to create something that makes black people feel comfortable and enjoy one another's. And, and that's the thing. You can take this concept, as long as you have that as your foundation, you can have that concept anywhere. You can have that in TV. Yeah. You can have that. Um, who says you can't be uh, a part of the Oscar party, you know? And I don't yeah. know when that contract yeah. ends, but Speak I'm like, it. who says you Speak can't, <laughs> you know, you can't do that. It's it's just a matter of where your heart is open and when you really are coming for, from a good place, even if you have those little snafus. And I know me, I'm a type A person. Any mistake, I will beat myself up about it worse than anybody else, you know, could have. But, and and I've even had to learn how to like, let it go. You'll do better next time. But I think the fact that you even accomplished it and did it on such a beautiful scale, I think that's something that you have those tools for how to even make it more phenomenal even after this one. Um, so we have four months left in the year. I, I don't, I feel like yeah. I blinked. Don't you feel like when you were a kid, it took forever for a damn day to end. And now it's like you blink and you into like 2020, you know? So looking, you know, into these last four months, what are some, you know, goals or accomplishments um, that you have left that you would love to see yourself accomplish, you know, maybe personally or professionally? Yeah. Um, uh, personally, I just want to be happy. Uh, it's so funny because like, it's almost like the conversation that I had yesterday, like, was the preparation for the conversation that I'm having today because literally I was asked the same question. And I think that for me, for the rest of the year, it's just I want to be happy and uh, continue to, like one thing that I'm, I'm, I am very strong in my faith and I think the, a beautiful thing about, you know, what the Word uh, tells us is that God wants to give us, give us the desires of our heart. And the most beautiful thing about that is, like, we don't even know what those things are, mm. truly. And to say, for someone to, to to want to give you something that will make you so happy, but you don't even know, you know, that it will make you happy, it's just like a, the, the most pleasant surprise ever, right? Because you're like, oh, you know, what is my deepest desire? And, 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 and to receive that. And I think that that's been happening to me a lot. You know, just receiving things um, that I didn't even know that I wanted but makes me so happy. And I think that I want to continue that because my happiness also allows me to make to, to make other people happy and to pour into other people because my cup is running over. You know, and I think that that would be like my wish. And I know that that's like very like broad. Um, but like professionally, um, I, I want to do, you know, I want to continue to do you know, things that are for us, 
inspire us and mm-hmm. make us feel um, amazing and, um, and and make us more confident in ourselves. Like, right, you know, whole, it's not even about someone else. In a lot. It's about us. It's about us feeling excellent. It's about us feeling like loyalty. It's about us feeling, you know, confident. And that's because that is what fuels everything that we do. It can be our, it can be filled with insecurities or it can be filled with confidence. And and I feel like my job, a part of my job and my purpose is to fill us black people with confidence. Um, in ourselves and our ability and who we are authentically. And so I just want to continue to do that through, you know, black excellence brunches that are outside of, you know, in LA, but are also outside of LA. Um, so I, New Orleans was one stop. Uh, Paris is a place that, that oh, I'm going in September that. and, um, for fashion week and then, uh, Atlanta and, um, and, uh, Chicago's on my list. Chicago's on my list for 2020, though. I was about so, to say, like, to let's have a conversation. Yeah. I definitely, you know, have a very strong network just in terms of a lot of black pop and millennials who are doing a lot of great things in the city. So, yes, bring yeah, this Chicago to Chicago. <laughs> Chicago is full of black excellence, and I cannot wait to uh, be in the midst and to to join and to uh, just just celebrate with with all that that's there i've had a few tastes of it and i'm just every time i'm 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 very very thankful but yeah so you know those are some of the things um for the next for the next year you know i want to buy a home um so that's on my list and come uh, through with this equity you better be like no this land is mine yeah yeah. it's time it's time for for great things and um and for a lot of things to, to really just manifest. And, and if, if this past, you know, how how many months, 10, 8 months has taught me anything in this year is that, like, I am in a, a beautiful space of manifestation and acceleration and, you know, and, and alignment. And I just want to continue to, to, to move on that path. You are, it seems like, uh, you know, as a young black man, like, you have that focus, um, and honestly, like, not me trying to get too meta, because Lord knows, like, you have great energy, but let's be real, we don't know each other from a ham sandwich, you know? But I think one thing that you have um, made quite apparent, even just for the brief time that we've been on the phone, is that you're not running from your destiny, even if you haven't no, necessarily yeah. been able to define it. And that's why, you know, I even wanted to ask you, like, what scares you more? Is it the the fear of being successful or is it the fear of failure? Because a lot of times we don't even realize like it's the fear of what happens if we actually are successful. Can we live up to, you know, what other people thought? But in actuality, it's that fear of am I living up to what I believe I deserve? You know, and there's nothing about you that gives me that vibe of like, oh, he posing. He's just saying this because it sounds nice. Yeah, I would have to answer that question in past tense because I'm not living in any fear of of either at the moment. But I can say that I used to be very fearful of failure. I was, you know, afraid of of not doing it right, afraid of people not liking me, afraid of speaking up, you know, afraid of, like, the way I'd be in touch, afraid of how people would perceive me. You know, when I walked into a room or when I, you know, in my personal and professional relationships, you know, it it used to really plague me. Um, but what I learned is that 
when you operate in fear, you operate from a place of lack, mm. like automatically. It's like starting behind, like, you know, way behind the fence. Like, I remember when you were like a kid and, you know, they would let like, the slower kids give them a head start or oh, whatever. Yeah, like, that. It, it's like, it's like you were like way behind. So when you, just by operating in fear in any way, you starting so far back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, why am I doing that to myself? Like, why am I putting myself? And, it, and, it, and fear is like self, it's like self-made. It's like you just, you have to decide to be afraid. You do. And I just was like, I'm not, I'm going to make a different choice. I'm going to make a different decision. And I remember telling myself that. Are there moments where I, I'm anxious? I'm more, sometimes I'm more anxious than fearful. I'm not fearful anymore, but I, I am sometimes a little bit anxious. And uh, and I'm anxious about what to to come sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's like I, I have learned enough to trust like my inner, my intuition and like what, you know, my core being is telling me to do. Um, but then I get like really anxious, like, you know, <laughs> about like, How's it gonna happen? When is it gonna happen? What you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. So yeah, not operating in fear anymore. So I would say I'm not in fear of either of those. Well, that's definitely um, uh, ideology to to follow and to take. And, you know, just wrapping up, I definitely have enjoyed this conversation with you. Got my own inspiration. I'm like, this has been, <laughs> let me go ahead and start journaling some more and get, you know, my 2020 <laughs> go, start well, aligning that, some wow. things. Um, but I definitely just wanted to wrap up and ask you, um, what do you feel, you know, and it, it evolves, but what do you feel in, in this here and now your destiny is, you know, whether it's who you what are for destiny? our community or what do you feel like this is why I was here on, on God's green earth? Oh, wow. I think, you know, it, it, it's changed like as I've evolved, mm-hmm. you know, but I think the common thread is that people have always felt comfortable being them around me. Like, I would meet people, and then by, like, 20 minutes, and I know their, like, whole life. Like, they've, and, and, and truthfully, right? So they, they've always felt safe around me. And I think that part of my destiny is a responsibility to, to make others, to create spaces where they make people feel safe, being who and what they are no matter what that looks like. Um, I just, you know, and I, as I further, as I further evolved in like what my destiny is, I think I have a responsibility to people of color um, because of my background. So it's like making people feel safe, making people of color feel safe and like, you know, bringing the good out of everything and everyone. I've always just saw the good in things like, always you know some people will see something and be like oh this this sucks this sucks this sucks but i will always be like looking at somebody or something and be like oh this is what i like about it or like you know that outfit like it would be it would really be nice you know like that and i really love the shoes or or whatever like that's always been me my mom will tell you that from like me being a little kid and and so i think that part of my responsibility is to draw the good from every single thing and just elevate it and like illuminated. Well, sir, um, 
you definitely are are being a light to you know young black millennials i i you know i don't know if you come from a big family or a small family but i hope like when you walk into thanksgiving thanksgiving all the little cousins is like ooh there go cousin trio <laughs> you know i hope that helps you walk a little time i know it gasses me up when i'm just like oh look at my babies they're watching me so um <laughs> I, I definitely do appreciate you taking this time, you know, um, to talk to me, to, you know, also talk to my listeners um, all the way in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, so, yes, I will hold you to that. I definitely will be like, okay, so what are we doing? Is this like Q1, Q2? When are you coming out here for yeah, the Black yeah, Excellence yeah. Brunch? So we yeah. can go ahead and get this going. Um, but, no, yeah. I definitely would love to, to see something like that out here, even on a grander scale. Of course, and we're family now, so yeah, you can hit me up. Keep me, hold me accountable. Oh, I will. So, like, hit, me, hit me up and be like, "Hey, what's up?" I just time to think. Right now, I'm looking at uh, February, just so you can transparently, so you know. Um, so you know, feel free to just follow up with me, and um, and I and and in the same breath, thank you. You know, I'm I'm super grateful for you for thinking enough of of me to want to you know spend your time uh talking to me for for your um. For your show and um, and I and I'm very very thankful and I you know don't take that for granted and uh, if there's anything that I can do for you and if you're ever in LA let me know um, but I'm also all over so um, yeah we will reconnect I, I don't believe that anything is you know by chance everything is intentional. It is. Thank you so much, King. So um, all that love and light right back to you. Um, and then for everyone, if you all, you know, you already know how I do. I'm going to have his um, handle so you can follow him. If you, you know, are heading into the L.A. area, definitely, obviously, this is a great person to link up with. So um, thank you so much for being on the show. And I will catch you all lovely people next week on Joy Has Questions. Hey everybody, for today's motivational message, we're going to keep it short and simple, which is do not compare yourself to others. Now, the reason why I am making that the motivational message is because that is my Achilles heel. I'm going to just say it, be honest. I have always struggled with looking at others, wondering if I'm not doing enough. Um, when is it going to be my time? What's the secret to their sauce? And let me be frank. There's nothing wrong with, you know, doing a SWOT analysis or looking at someone else and be like, you know what? That's something that I aspire to. That's somebody that inspires me. That's kind of the course that I want to chart for myself. Where it becomes problematic is when you start to completely take your eye off the ball because you're so consumed with wondering like, man, when is it my turn? Why hasn't this happened yet? I thought I'm doing it the same way. I've been doing it longer. It is not your journey. I have to constantly remind myself. I have my head down. I am focused. I am doing what makes me happy. It will come in my own due time. And to be honest, I actually just said that wrong. It's not even my own due time. It's going to come when it, yes, is my time, but it's going to come in God's own due time. And Lord knows, I am a heathen 23 out of 24 hours of the day, but I truly do believe that for everything 
that I've endured for everything I know that you're dealing with on your journey. Do not let comparison steal your joy. Do not let comparison be something that keeps you from being focused. Do not let it cause you to unravel because all that's going to do is just put more time, more lessons that you have to learn when you really could be just minding the business that pays you and moving forward. So I hope everyone has a beautiful, beautiful week. Also, shout out and congratulations to Jarrell Jerome for winning for When They See Us and his portrayal of the exonerated five-member Corey Weiss. And shout out to Billy Porter. How is it 2019 and he is the first openly gay black man to win an Emmy Award? And the fact that he even made James Baldwin his, you know, speech just sends me over over the moon because everyone knows James Baldwin is my spirit animal. So that being said, I just I'm covered in a whole bunch of black magic today to really have me having an amazing week. And I hope you all as well. Toodles. <laughs>